Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday School lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. If you remember from last week, approximately 400 years passed between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. During those 400 years, the Israelites multiplied greatly in number, which of course brought great concern to the Pharaoh of Egypt. Israel became slaves to Pharaoh during these years and were treated miserably. There is silence from God during this 400-year time frame. At least there's no biblical record of any word from God. Exodus chapter 2, we are introduced to a new figure on the scene. His name is Moses. Moses was born to Israelite parents during a time of great oppression. He was adopted and raised by Pharaoh's daughter in the palace. He was misunderstood and rejected by his own people, Israel, and due to his actions was pursued by Pharaoh who wanted to kill him. He ended up fleeing to the region called Midian. In a way, the story of Moses is a reversal of the story of Joseph. You see, Joseph was taken to Egypt against his will by Midian merchants. Moses was forced to flee Egypt and settle in Midian. Joseph's troubles brought him to Pharaoh's palace. Moses' troubles led him away from Pharaoh's palace. An ordinary Jewish boy, Joseph, became the prince of Egypt. The prince of Egypt, Moses, became a common shepherd. At the end of Exodus chapter 2, we learn that God heard the cry of his people, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. God saw the Israelites, and he had concern for them. Exodus chapter 3 serves as a turning point in the narrative about the Israelites' slavery in Egypt. God was moving into action. While God could have used his unlimited power to free the Israelites without the help of anyone, he chose to use a man as his representative to Israel and to Egypt. That man was Moses. So let's begin by reading in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, 
God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the hand, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. As Exodus chapter 3 begins, the unsuspecting Moses is going about his daily activities, shepherding Jethro's flock and working in the family business. According to Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, Moses has led the animals to the far side of the wilderness. Once again, we find Moses in a foreign land. Moses is not anticipating a, a holy moment here. He's not intentionally ventured near sacred spaces to get a word from God. We're not in a religious setting where we might expect a divine encounter. But in the ordinary space, while Moses simply does his daily job, God comes seeking him. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I was not expecting God to show up, and yet he did. It was the summer of 1988. I was on a teen ministry trip to Twin Wells Indian School in Arizona. One night, as an adult sponsor, another teen and I were walking in the desert after dark. I don't remember any of the details of our conversation that night, but at some point, the sponsor and the other teen were talking together to one another, and I was walking alone, maybe 10 feet away from them. Out of the blue, 
I had a distinct thought in my mind. This is what I want for you, Scott. I knew the moment that I had had this thought that God was speaking to me. He was calling me. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't even praying in that moment as I walked. God came seeking me. He surprised me. For Moses, this moment happened on the mountain called Horeb. Horeb is another name for Sinai. The biblical writers use these two names interchangeably. Calling Horeb the mountain of God anticipates Moses bringing the people to this very location in Exodus chapter 19. Moses notices a bush that is on fire but is not burning up. It intrigues him as it would you and me. There is a curiosity in Moses that prompted him to pursue the strange sight. Let me just say that there's nothing wrong with curiosity when it comes to God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, David tells his son Solomon, if you seek him, God, he will be found by you. We're told in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Seek him. Taste and see. Allow your curiosity to lead you to him. You don't have to come to God having everything figured out. Let your curiosity cause you to explore things about the creator of the entire universe. Moses' attention had already been grabbed by the sight of this burning bush. Now his attention was further arrested by the sound coming from within it. The first words from within the bush are his name, Moses, Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Let's not miss the significance of what is happening here. Moses is far from where his life started. He was well aware that he was worlds apart from his Hebrew family. God met Moses right where he was. Please be aware that the Lord is able to close the gap of distance we think we can create from him, surprising us with his grace and his purpose. From within the bush, God called Moses by name. This is a personal God who knows you and me by name. It's interesting that Moses, at this point, is not afraid of the bush on fire or of the voice coming from it. He responds with a statement in verse 4, here I am. At this point, the Lord instructs Moses to stop and to take off his shoes in verse 5. God says, the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is the first time in scripture where a place is called holy. God's divine presence made this ordinary space a sacred space. In the ancient Near East, going barefoot before kings is viewed as a sign of reverence and respect. The priestly garments that would be worn by Aaron's descendants covered all parts of the human body except the feet as a reminder that they always stand on holy ground. You see, the space that God inhabits is holy ground. While Moses started with curiosity and a willingness to look and listen, by verse 6, that changes. 
When the voice reveals that it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, suddenly Moses is afraid and uh, to, he, he wouldn't look anymore at God. He hides his face in fear. As we move into verses 7 to 10, we're reminded that Israel's God sees, hears, is concerned, comes down to rescue, and has a plan for the future. The root word translated into English as to see and sight is a key term in this chapter. It is used seven times. God did not accidentally stumble onto the slavery of Israel. He had not just recently heard about it. God had been aware and involved. Now the time had come for God to act on behalf of his people. In poetic fashion, we learn in verse 8 that God will come down in order to bring people up. This is the salvation story of God throughout the Bible. Indeed, God did come down to earth through his son, Jesus, in order to bring people up out of their slavery to sin. Here, God would save and deliver the Israelites from Egypt. But the promise continues. God would one day settle his people in the promised land. God coming down to bring Israel up out of Egypt to the promised land. But how would God accomplish this miracle of delivery? Verse 10 offers an unexpected solution to the problem of Egyptian slavery. God would send Moses to talk to Pharaoh. Moses would be an instrument in God's hand to bring deliverance and liberation to God's people. God would use a man to save his people. We need to get used to that picture, really. Moses, you see, is a type of Jesus, uh, scholars will, will say. Certainly, he's a shadow of the real Savior, Jesus, who is to come. God would one day deliver anyone who would place his or her faith in the one man, Jesus. And amazingly, just as God called Moses to partner with him in this salvation, Jesus would call his disciples, you and me, to partner with him in his mission. We call this the great co-mission, meaning you join Jesus in his mission. God has no other plan for the salvation of this world but that we would partner with him, you and I, sent in sharing the good news with this world. Our passage for this week ends with a conversation about identities. The first conversation is about the identity of Moses. When Moses hears that God's plan for saving Israel from Egypt includes him, he questions God's decision. Think about it for a moment. The Israelites had no respect for Moses. Pharaoh wanted him dead, and God sends Moses to Pharaoh to bring Israel out of Egypt. Moses really embodies the struggle. Through questions of identity, worthiness, past acts of violence, and an unknown future. If you remember, the first time Moses spoke in the story, he said, here I am, a statement. Now he asks, who am I? A question. This is a common response when we're commissioned to partner with God. We, like Moses, 
begin to question our qualifications. Interestingly, God doesn't answer Moses' question, who am I? He doesn't list the, all the things that made him right for this job. Instead, God gave Moses a promise. The promise is the same promise given in most great commissioning moments in Scripture. God says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, I will be with you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And of course, the great commission of Jesus to his disciples and us is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Moses would not face Pharaoh or Israel alone. God's divine presence would lead him. I love the sign that God would keep his promise. God said, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. The sign would follow obedience. In other words, first obey. Then you will see it that it was I, God, who called you to do this. Obey and then see. The second identity is to discuss is the identity of God. God had already revealed that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in verse 6. Moses, once more, he asked God to reveal his name. In ancient culture, knowing the name of a deity brought a measure of power. Remember that Jacob desired to know the name of his wrestling partner in Genesis chapter 32, verse 29. In Exodus 3.14, God reveals his name to Moses. I am who I am. The name Yahweh is derived from the Hebrew verb to be. God names himself by describing himself, by revealing his true identity. Moses will continue to understand that the identity of the Lord is inseparable from the Lord's actions and activity. God was, is, and always will be the same. Moses was speaking to the same God who had called Abraham out of Ur. He is the same God who gave children to barren women. Hundreds of years later, Moses was talking to the same God. Have you ever thought about that for yourself? When you pray, when you talk to God today, you are talking to the God who called Abraham. He is the same God, and he has not changed at all. And he will be the same for eternity. Why? Because God is, I am, who I am. If we think carefully about Exodus chapter 3, we will see that presence and identity are relationally connected. 
when Moses asks, who shall I say is sending me? God says, I am with you, presence, and I will be who I will be, identity. Whatever you're facing today, hear these words. God is with you, and he is who he always has been and always will be. You can trust him today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.